Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a best-selling author and longtime journalist. This podcast is all about helping you live your healthiest, happiest life, whether we're learning herbalist secrets for better periods, discovering ways to have no regrets at the end of our lives, or hearing actionable tips for career and financial success. And yes, those are all real episodes, so if any of those topics sound good to you, scroll on back in the archives. Today, we are back with the third edition of our brand new advice episodes, which I am so excited about. On the last Monday of every single month, I'm going to be joined by a very special guest, and we're going to be answering all of your questions. So either send those in to ask at lizmoody.com, or I'll also be taking questions on Instagram the last week or so of every single month. If you haven't listened to the past two advice episodes, what are you waiting for? I have one with Zach where we answered questions about ultimatums, moving abroad, his thoughts on my getting Botox, and so much more. And most recently, I had two of my very good friends on the podcast, Justine from Justine Snacks and Karina from Kill Me Maybe, where we answered questions about cheating, religion, age gaps, and more. So definitely check those out. They are a ton of fun. Today, I am so excited to welcome Amy Chang to the podcast. You may know Amy by her handle. I'm going to butcher this, I'm sure, but it's at Bon de Navon on social media where she has racked up over 1.6 million followers by sharing her skin, hair, overall beauty, parenting tips, and just general delightful and wise personality with the world. On the episode today, we are answering your questions about how to have kids and not have it ruin your life, how to make big life decisions, how to stop being jealous in relationships, why everyone should go to couples therapy, which viral hair hacks actually work, the best products for thinning hair, how to get your partner on board with healthy lifestyle choices, and so much more. As always, we would both love to hear your thoughts on the advice and your takeaways as you're listening. So definitely screenshot and tag us on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody and I'm going to try again. Okay. Amy is at Bon de Navon. It's B-O-N-D-E-N-A-V-A-N-T. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend, family member, or coworker. Sharing is the best way to support the podcast, and it's so appreciated. And honestly, there's just a ton of amazing advice in here that everyone can benefit from, so we can all have luscious hair and healthy partners and tons of self-confidence. Okay, let's get right into it with Amy Chang. Amy, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I hope we actually release the video for this one because I just want to confirm to everybody listening that you are glowing as much talking to you now as you do in all of your content. Can you just give us a little bit of an intro, a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thanks, Liz, so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. So my name is Amy Chang, and I kind of go by my handle, Bond and Avant, which nobody can ever pronounce or What does it spell. mean? <laughs> it feels like a fancy French word. I picture like a French person like frolicking through life. Is that what it means? So it is French. You're correct there. I took French for six years in high school, and I wanted it to be kind of sophisticated and fancy. And then now thinking back, I'm like, oh God, I should have made it something a lot easier for people to say and spell. But I do love the meaning. The meaning is leap forward. And when I created my beauty blog, I wanted it to be a place where I could help women leap forward and feel good about leaning into their beauty routines. And that still holds true today. So I haven't changed the name. It fits. But yeah, I spell it out a lot. 
I pronounce it a lot. I have to ask, what do you think have been the things in your life that have helped you leap forward the most? That's a great question. I would definitely say having kids would be the first one that pops into my mind. I mean, it just changed my whole perspective on everything in life. Things before having kids that I thought were really important, like fitting into a certain size of my clothes, just all of these things in my life that I tried to force myself to fit into these boxes. And then after I had kids, I'm like, God, none of that matters. I'm so much happier and relaxed, like not putting that stress on myself. So that was like a really big turning point for me. Also, there's this quote that I think of often, and I forget who said it, but it's that you don't find yourself, you create yourself. And so much of my youth, I was trying to figure out okay, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And it was this question that I struggled with so much. I thought that I had to have the answer to that. And it weighed on me and it paralyzed me. There were times that I wasn't able to move forward in life because I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make a mistake because I don't know what direction I'm supposed to go in or who I am. Right. Then when I moved to New York and I heard that quote and it just, everything kind of lined up in my life that I was like, wow, it's about the choices that I make to create the person that I want to be. And now everything that I do in my life is just structured in that way. It's like I can be whoever I want and it's totally in my control. I absolutely love that. It reminds me of something that my husband says often, which is that he thinks that soulmates aren't found, they're created. Like I asked him once, babe, do you think we're soulmates? And I was waiting for him to be like, yes, of course, babe. I definitely think we are. And he was like, well, I don't think of soulmates that way. So, (laughs) but it was a really sweet sentiment. The idea that you're building a soulmate with somebody and all of the experiences that you have with them every single day. And I love the idea that that applies to your relationship with yourself as well. You're not going out looking for yourself every day. You are creating yourself every day through the hard experiences and the good experiences and the nights crying in bed and the nights dancing out with your girlfriends. And I think that's such a beautiful and empowering sentiment. Totally empowering. And it put the power in my hands when I realized that because then I wasn't moving through life waiting for things to happen. And I just took control of my own happiness. I love that. Okay. Well, going to your first point, let's just get right into the question. So these were all sent in from listeners. We got a lot. As always, if you would like to hear your questions answered on here, you can always email ask at lizmoody.com. We, of course, can't always get to all of them, but we will try our best to get to as many as possible. So the first question today, and I'm so interested in your thoughts on this, is I think I want kids, but I'm afraid it's going to ruin my life. Do you have any tips for making that not happen? I didn't send in this question, but I'm raising my hand over here. (laughs) I have to say first that this is something I deeply felt before I had children. It took us about two years to get pregnant with my first Chloe. And during that time, I waffled back and forth. I was like, do I really want this? You know, how is this going to affect our life? We had this beautiful life where we traveled around the world and we would do late dinners with friends and parties and sleeping in. I mean, I didn't get up before 10 a.m. most mornings. And I thought, God, it's all going to go to shit when we have kids. It's going to be tough. And then I had my first. And Oh man, life expanded in a way that I 
didn't even know was possible, that it could get so much more beautiful beyond that life that I was living before. And then I didn't even miss all of those things. And now when I do travel, which is very infrequent, but when I do, I'm thinking about, God, I can't wait to take my daughter here when she's older. You can't wait to get back home to the kids. I miss them. I guess the best advice I I have is that it's very normal to feel that way. And you won't know what's beyond that horizon until you take that step to do it. But just know that once you take that step, it opens up this whole world of beauty and joy that will just enrich your life. That's the only way I know how to say it. When you were in those two years and you were waffling back and forth, was there anything that helped you tip to being like, oh, I do want kids or I can actually see this life for myself? No. (laughs) No. I mean, it took a leap of faith to do it and know that I deep down really wanted to have a family and that was important to me. I like to think of often this North Star, right, that I have and everyone has one and you write down all the things that you want in your life and that's what I do. And then that becomes my North Star. And I think every decision that I make in life you know, does it take me closer to that North Star? And I always knew that in my North Star, I needed to have a family because at the end of my life, if I looked back and I didn't have that, I would feel unfulfilled in some way. So knowing that was a part of the journey and the direction that I wanted to go in for my life. I was like, okay, I'm not sure how this is going to change my life. I know it's going to disrupt my life in so many ways. And I'm really scared about that. There's so many unknowns, but At the end of the day, I know that having a family is part of my North Star. So I'm taking that leap of faith and I'm continuing in that direction. And for me personally, it's just been the best thing to ever happen to me. I love the idea of a North Star. I mean, it almost sounds a little bit morbid, but to have a little bit of like a deathbed exercise where you're like, at the end of my life, what will have been important to me in my life? Because I think sometimes we can get so caught up in like the minutia of every day. And then we look back and a year has passed, two years have passed, three years have passed. And we feel like we're charging ahead, but we don't know what direction we're charging in. So I actually love the idea of just in general, a North Star exercise. Did you like kind of sit down one day and do that? Or has that just always been something that is in the back of your mind? Actually, and when I was a freshman in high school, we had a class that prepared us with skills for studying and critical thinking when reading. And one of the exercises that the teacher had us do was like make a list of all the things that you want to have in your life to make you happy and fulfilled. And I just remember writing down having a family, having kids. And uh, so now every so often I'll do that exercise and I'll just write down everything that's a part of my North Star because it changes. It changes. And it's also so important because we can be like, oh, my values are deeper relationships with my family and friends. My values are travel and seeing the world. But then how we're spending our day every single day isn't lining up with those things because those things aren't front of mind in that way. So we're missing out on the phone date with our best friend because we're trying to send a few more emails that maybe don't even need to be sent that day or things like that. So I love the idea of taking it from the back of our mind to the front of our mind a little bit more. Yes. And I think for me, having kids, I've had to become even more focused on what that North Star is because my time is so limited. So now with what I'm doing as content creator, 
I just ask myself with everything, like event invitations that come opportunities, I have to be more selective and think, okay, does this move me in the direction of what my North star is or with my kids too? Same thing. And if it's a no, I just don't do it. And I move forward. If it's a yes, I do it. And it makes making those everyday decisions so much easier because I know the direction that I'm heading in. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. Money was such a source of anxiety for me for a long time. I'm always talking about building good, healthy habits, but I didn't have any when it came to financial wellness. Once I started getting educated about my money, I began to feel empowered about it. And pretty soon I was like, how did I let this cause me so much anxiety for so long? If you are struggling just like I was, you need to check out YNAB. YNAB is an app that teaches a set of simple money habits to help you spend, save, and give without guilt or second guessing. It's one of the apps that experts I talk to recommend over and over because it's grounded in techniques that you won't see anywhere else that actually work. You start off by learning four simple core habits that are actually genius and have completely changed the way that I think about money. And then it guides you through saving so you are never caught off guard by a surprise expense again, so you feel safe and secure with money. But maybe more importantly, it also helps you fit the things that you love into your spending plan so that you know you have the money for that bachelorette party or that weekend getaway that you've been dreaming of. Also, and I love this, you can add up to six users to one account. So if you manage money as roommates or with your partner, it has got you covered. It has incredibly high ratings on all platforms and has become a huge cult hit because it's helped millions of people actually build the financial life of their dreams, even people who truly thought it was impossible. Check out YNAB and learn the habits with a one-month free trial, no credit card required, at www.yabb.com ynab.com slash Liz Moody. You'll get a month completely free and be able to see for yourself what a big difference it makes. I promise you're going to get back way more than you spend. That's www.ynab.com slash Liz Moody. If you guys have been following my caffeine journey over on Instagram, then you probably know by now that I've been experimenting with things like decaf coffee, matcha, and other small doses of caffeine in the spirit of getting some energy without stoking my anxiety and getting all of the amazing benefits those ingredients offer. That is one of the many reasons I've been so excited about mud water. I actually wrote about mud water way back in my editorial days, and I feel like they have only gotten more impressive since then. Mudwater's signature product is a coffee alternative consisting of organic ingredients lauded for their health and performance benefits. It has just a fraction of the amount of caffeine in coffee and gives you natural energy, focus, and more without all of the jitters and crashes. Mudwater is made with amazing organic ingredients like cacao, masala chai, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon. I mean, so many ingredients that come up over and over in my Ask the Doctor episodes Every ingredient has a purpose. The cacao and chai have been researched to improve mood. Turmeric can reduce inflammation and soreness, and the cinnamon serves as a great source of antioxidants. Mudwater also includes four adaptogenic mushrooms, chaga, cordyceps, reishi, and lion's mane to make you feel alert, support physical performance, and strengthen your immune system. It also tastes so good. It's like a chocolatey chai. It feels really rich and earthy and grounding, especially when you make it into a latte. 
They also have a new rest blend that's 100% caffeine-free and made with ingredients designed to help you wind down, including ashwagandha, passionflower, and reishi. If you're the kind of person who reaches for a glass of wine at the end of a long day, I would highly encourage experimenting with the rest blend. When I drink it, it floods me with a sense of relaxed calm, but I don't feel groggy or hungover at all the next day. Both products are Whole30 approved, non-GMO, 100% USDA organic, vegan, and kosher certified. If you want to see what all of the hype is about and try Mudwater for yourself, go to mudwater.com slash Liz M and use code Liz M for 15% off your order. That's M-U-D-W-T-R dot com slash Liz M and code Liz M for 15% off at checkout. I can't wait for you to experience all of the benefits of incorporating these beautiful rituals into your life. I have to ask about the time thing. I hate when people ask women, how do you balance it all? How do you like fit in work and friends and kids and all of that? But I would ask literally any person of any gender that because I do not understand it. I'm like, where does your me time happen? I don't get that. Like, because I feel like I really need my laying on the couch and having nobody talking to me time. How does the work stuff fit in? Where does it all go? Because I feel like my time is so limited right now and I don't have kids. This is a piece of advice that I got from a friend of mine who's a founder of a beauty brand. And she said that you can do one thing amazing. You can do two things good. You can do three things horrible. I think about that all the time. So for me, the two things that I'm able to do good is my business, being a content creator and being a mom. And unfortunately, that means that the time with my friends is less of a priority just because I have to be selective with my time. So the idea is you really need to, though, in a way, give up on the notion that you're going to be amazing at everything you want to be amazing at. Yes. Well, that sucks. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Life is about choices and there's definitely sacrifices and there's pros and cons with everything. And and I'm okay with that where I am now. My focus is my family and my focus is what I'm doing with my career. And the time I put in before having kids with those friendships, like that foundation is there. And so I have my close friends where we'll talk once every couple of months, but when we talk, it's like, Hey, you know, it's, like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. I just talked to my best friend the other day and it's I hadn't talked to her in three months and it was like a day hadn't gone by that we hadn't talked to each other. So those things will still be there, especially if you've laid the foundation for them. So, but yeah, I think as a working mom, it's tough. I feel like I can't have it all. I have to make choices and be really smart about where I allocate my time and that's okay. I did a productivity episode at the beginning of the year, and it's this guy who tries all of these different productivity hacks and different things to increase his outputs through the day. And one of the hacks that he tried was to severely limit his working hours because some research around like limiting your time hugely actually significantly increases your outputs because it gets rid of procrastination. It gets rid of just kind of fussing around and you sit down and you're like, I have to do this thing right now. This is the only time I have to do it. And I immediately thought of working parents when he said that because it really did. So I think he limited to like a four-hour work week. And then he tried a work week that was like significantly longer than a normal work week. And I think he accomplished more in the really, really shortened work week than he did in the really, really long work week. I'm curious if that rings true to you in your life. (laughs) 
Yes, definitely. And it makes me think of this other quote, um, which says, if you want something to get done, give it to a busy person, which is true. Like when I'm crazy and I'm busy, the more you give me, I feel like the more efficient I am because I have to be. I do find that because my time is so limited, I am more efficient with my time. And recently I did something new for myself. I created a boundary where I don't work on the weekends at all. I don't pick up my phone. I don't look at it. I don't post on the weekends. And I told my audience, hey, I'm going to be doing this. So just so you know, if you have a DM or a comment, this is the reason why I'm not getting back to you over the weekend because I'm making that time for just myself and my family. And what it has done is it skyrocketed my productivity because not only am I not feeling burnt out, I'm so refreshed, like coming off of the weekend, like Monday morning rolls around and I am fired up. I'm energized. I'm so excited to work. And I get into this creative flow because my mind has had a break and a time to relax and just recharge with my family. Whereas before... You know, I wasn't working that much on the weekends, but I would do like little tasks here or there. I realized it was nothing strategic to actually move the needle forward. It was just my mind constantly being on these little things. And I ended up feeling so burned out. And then I felt like during the week I wasn't productive because my brain was tired and did not have that time to relax. I think condensed work time increases productivity, but it also allows you more time to take for yourself that you need to recharge so that when you come back to the work, you're even more productive. Well, two things there. One, there's a ton of research that supports we're more effective employees if we take our vacation time. And people, at least in the US, tend to be terrible at taking their vacation time. And I think often higher ups at companies are terrible at encouraging people to take their vacation time, but it literally makes you more effective, happier at work, more successful, all of the things. So if you're out there listening Take your vacation time. Don't save it up. Take it as much as you can. Use it up. And then I think the second thing you said that was really interesting is that you told your audience you were going to do that. And I think when we're setting breaks, often we can forget to inform other people of the boundaries around those breaks. So we know we're setting the break, but then other people, our boss, our friends, our family, whatever, they might still be contacting us in that time. And you have to be like, oh, should I answer it? And doing that to yourself does not make it any easier. So I think it's really great advice to not only set and establish the break, but also to share that boundary with anybody that you need to share it with. Yeah, I feel like I did it for them, but I also did it for myself too, because it helps to hold me accountable to not work on the weekends. And then to the parent point, I'm just going to add, me and Zach have been debating whether or not we wanted to have kids. I've been pretty open about that on this podcast. I've done episodes about the pros and cons of having kids. And we've kind of settled on, we think we would like to have a kid. I think we're ready for, not ready right now, but we are interested in having one. And something we've been doing, I think that's been really interesting for us is looking for role models of people who are parenting in ways that are interesting and appealing and inspiring to us and aspirational to us. I think that sometimes we can get it in our head that there's only one way of being a parent. There's only one way of going through so many different parts of our lives. When in reality, there are so, so many ways of doing it and none of them are right. And none of them are wrong and all of them you can take like little pieces from. So I literally have a folder on my Instagram where I save parenting from people that I'm like, oh my gosh, this, I just saved a woman who she had a kid and then her and her partner went on a six month trip 
through South America with the baby and they, you know, are exploring and hiking and having these huge adventures with their babies. And it's so inspiring for me, whether or not Zach and I go to South America with our baby. It's so inspiring for me to be like, this is possible. There are so many different ways of doing that. And I do think that looking for those role models and those points of inspiration is really, really important. And they're more accessible than ever before because we have social media and you can find people who aren't even remotely in your circles who are doing these things that are so different than maybe anybody you would have direct access to. Definitely. I mean, parenting can be anything that you want it to be. And I think people get it stuck in their mind that it has to be a certain way, but it doesn't. We have friends, like you were saying before, who travel. I mean, they had a eight month old and they took him to Europe and they took him all over South America and they, they just love to travel. That's so important to them. And so they just figured, oh, well, why not? Just bring, after they had a baby, they just brought him into the fold. And now at four years old, he's an expert international traveler. Or we have another couple friends of ours. They're really into outdoor festivals and concerts and they would just bring their baby with them and their baby would have the headphones on. I think the babies and the headphones is the cutest thing on like babies in tiny shoes, like the Converse something, and then babies in headphones, I think is the two cutest things on the planet. Yeah. It's exciting to see that we're getting to this point in our society where we realize, as you were saying, there's no one right way to do it. It's just what works for you and whoever you've decided to start a family with and you, you make it work for you. Yeah, I love that. So many ways to parent, so many ways to set boundaries, and so many ways to your original point of just taking a leap of faith. And if it's within your North Star, there's this parenting quote that I thought was so great that's like, parenting is like getting on a plane and you think you're going to France, but then you like end up in Holland, but it's okay because you're still on this magical trip, it's just not going to be anything like the trip that you thought it was going to be or something like that. And I thought that was a really comforting and nice way of putting it. Yeah. It's all about expectations. And I have learned through having kids that just no expectations, just go in with the plan. And and if the plan doesn't work out, like be okay with being flexible. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. Okay, I have a confessional moment here. I actually stalked this company years ago when I was first starting to work with sponsors because I was so obsessed with their product. It didn't work out to work together at the time, but it feels really, really cool years later to be able to share them with you. I really like to use these spots as a product recommendation tool to talk about brands that I am obsessed with, and this company absolutely qualifies, and it just feels really special to be doing this partnership after loving them for so long. I am so excited to share Dry Farm Wines. Years ago, I spent a while researching and tasting and just doing a deep dive into the world of wine, and I was shocked to find out that the vast majority of the wine that we buy at the store actually contains a ton of stuff that they're not required to disclose on the bottle. There are 76 additives that are legally approved for use in winemaking in the U.S. We're talking dyes, thickeners, chemicals to make it more tannic or less tannic, Basically, they're taking the fermented grapes and trying to standardize the flavor universally, make it shelf-stable, and rushing the vine-to-bottle process. Not Dry Farm Wines. Dry Farm Wines is leading the natural wine movement by sourcing wines according to the world's strictest criteria. Okay, 
To start, their grapes are organically and biodynamically grown on small family farms, which is honestly so rare and such a good thing to look for in your wine. The wine itself is totally free from toxic additives, sugar-free, low alcohol, lab-tested for purity, and even keto and paleo-approved if that's something that you look for. Wines that have been looked after with this kind of care typically come at a really inaccessible price point, but not dry farm wines. They're significantly more affordable than anything else that I've found of this quality. And the impact of dry farm wines extends far beyond the wine in your bottle. Their farms comprise roughly 7% of all organic vines in Europe, and supporting these small family vineyards helps preserve the healthy soil and dynamic biodiversity, which I love so much and I think is so important. They empower the 600 small family growers that they source from to focus on regenerative farming and to succeed without having to sell out or over-industrialize. Not to mention, they only source from growers who don't irrigate their vines, a process called dry farming, hence the name, which saves roughly 16,000 gallons of water annually. This is the real deal, you guys. Less than one-tenth of one percent of the world's wines are grown to these standards. You can order dry farm wines directly to your door, and every box is shipped free of charge. They also have a 100% happiness guarantee, which is absolutely wild. Any bottle you don't love, Dry Farm Wines will replace or refund literally, no questions asked. It is amazing. You can go to dryfarmwines.com slash healthier together to try it for yourself. And when you do, you'll receive an extra bottle in your first box for just one penny when you sign up for a subscription. That's dryfarmwines.com slash healthier together for an extra bottle in your first subscription box for just one penny. Happy sipping. Okay, let's do the next one. I have been struggling for a while with feeling insecure about my partner leaving me for one of his friends. He's got a lot of girlfriends whom he talks to a lot, and I feel like every time I notice he is texting one of them, I start getting this feeling of doubt and fear that he likes them as something more than a friend, and my mind starts spiraling into all of these thoughts that he is going to realize he likes them more than me and leave me and blah, blah, blah. We've been together for nearly 11 years, and we've had several conversations about this, and he is always very reassuring about how he feels about me And I can actually see it. I mean, the way he treats me and talks to me and the way our relationship is, I can see he actually loves me and wants to be with me. We are looking to buy a house together for goodness sake. But I still can't help but get these kinds of feelings. Would love any advice. My advice is to trust your instincts because I am a firm believer that our bodies, our subconscious are able to read between the lines. You're able to pick up on those micro expressions that just happen for like half a second in someone's face that really tell you what they're thinking or feeling or their body language, subtle movements, right? And maybe your conscious mind doesn't make sense of it right away, but it's there in your subconscious. You're like, okay, I'm picking up something here. So my advice is if you're subconscious is trying to tell you something, listen to it, listen to it. You trust your body that you're sensing something, feeling something and continue to communicate it with your partner and continue to have those conversations. And if they value and respect and want to make this work, they will figure out a way to make you comfortable and figure out some sort of compromise there. And With my husband, he has a group of girlfriends that he was friends with in college. And what he did to get me comfortable around that, because we would have conversations about something like this, he brought me into the fold with them. And now they're not really his friends anymore. They're my friends now. 
And so that was what we figured out (laughs) to make it work for us. Like they don't call him. They're not texting him. They're calling and texting me. And like, we're hanging out and texting. And so that works for us, but it's just about constantly having the conversation with your partner that, Hey, there's something here that's bothering me and try to figure out a way. And hopefully your partner was able to meet you where you want to be met and figure out a solution to get you comfortable. I agree with that completely. And I do think that trusting your gut is so important. And I think that that's even a muscle that you need to kind of always be tuning into more and practicing doing. And I will add to that, that as a person who used to be incredibly jealous, I used to be one of the most jealous people on the planet. And I think for me, a lot of that came from not having my own sense of self-worth, of value, of self-confidence and feeling like I was looking for Zach to kind of fill a lot of holes in my life, I guess. Like I was looking for him to kind of plug the holes of a ship that was taking on water or something like that. And the more that I was able to realize that I didn't need to find my value in Zach's valuing me, I could find my value in my valuing myself, the more those feelings of jealousy began to dissipate. So I would say, trust your gut, have these conversations, figure out all of the ways that you can make this work for you. I love the idea of share your friends. I think it's really important actually to have friends that are my own and friends that are Zach's own and all of that. But I also love the idea of having this person in your life. Look at all these new girlfriends that maybe the listener who wrote this could make, and that would be amazing. But I would also say the more that you can make your life feel rich and full and satisfying and figuring out ways to tell yourself, I am lovable. And to show yourself I am lovable, the less you need your partner to kind of constantly reassure you that you are lovable and that you're valuable and worthwhile in that way. I totally agree. I definitely think it's like a joint effort, right? It's like having your partner help you and feel comfortable and kind of getting you comfortable around things that make you feel insecure, but then also you doing the work to have self-confidence. And I will also say, I do think that the longer time has gone on, the less jealous that I've gotten because I feel like Zach and I have built something that is, how do you even touch that? Just like look at the experiences that we've had over time. Look at the highs and the lows and the conversations that we've had and the fights that we've worked through and the countries that we've lived in and the vacations that we've taken. And if he was to go and talk to somebody at a bar for a little bit, that's so tiny compared to everything we've built together that it just feels like swatting away a fly, you know? Yes. How long have you guys been together? I think 14 or 15 years. Jeff and I have been together for 12 and... I totally agree. It's like with each passing year, that relationship tree you've built, the roots just become so deep and rich and I'm not really that jealous anymore. I mean, I used to be really jealous. (laughs) It's so interesting to like have seen it go away over time because I used to be really, really jealous and I'm absolutely not now. And I do think it is because of that foundation because I'm just like, and because I love myself so much more, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm a catch. And also look at this life we've built together. For me, what helped to transition me away from being so self-insecure and jealous is having something that was my own. And so when 
we started dating, like my husband's quite a bit older than I am, well, seven years. And he had an established career, very successful. And I was still just starting out and figuring my path. And then, you know, we moved from New York to LA. And at that time I quit my job working in PR in New York. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do when we were here in LA. And just going through that, trying to like find myself phase. And that made me incredibly insecure because I was like, who am I? What do I have that's outside of this relationship? And us, he looked like he had it all put together. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just this hot mess. I don't know what I'm doing. And then I started my blog and like kind of built something there. But as that has grown, it's helped me to become more confident in myself through those experiences of building something that's myself and a testament to my own skills, right? And I've developed confidence there. So that's helped me to be a better partner and less jealous and more secure in myself. I think it's so important, honestly, whether you're single or whether you're partnered to, I think sometimes if you're single, you can be like, I can build this beautiful life for myself as soon as I meet my partner. And then when you meet your partner, you're like, oh, I'm building this life with this person. So I can kind of let go a little bit of building this life for myself. And I think it's so important in either situation to still be building this big, beautiful life for yourself. And then if you're single, you get to be satisfied and live in that fully realized space, whether or not you're dating somebody. And I just think that that feels so much better. And then if you're partnered, you get to have this big, beautiful, full life with your partner and feel that rock solid sense of comfort that you have this big, beautiful life for yourself as well. And I think never losing sight of the importance of that is critical for self-worth, for self-value, and just for feeling safe in your life, I would say. It's like you can depend on yourself. You can depend on yourself 100%. That's what I would say. So that would be my advice. And I feel good about this situation, I would say as a whole. I think that there's so many facets you can approach it from. And I think especially since so many of us out there have like gone through that and we're like, yeah, we were really jealous and now we're not. I think I feel really positive about the outlook here. So it sounds like we're saying the three takeaways or a piece of advice for this person is one, go meet these girlfriends try to establish a relationship with them, see what they're all about. And also I'm sure she could pick up on some clues from hanging out with those girlfriends, you know, what the exchange truly is. So that'd be one. And then two, do things to work on herself, to build her own self-confidence. And then three, take stock in the the 11 years that they've been together and what they have built and how that pales in comparison to any fleeting moment with someone else. And then I would say, three and a half or four, your point of just constantly being in communication with your partner. I think that that is really vital. I also am a fan of couples therapy as a tune-up or optimization thing. I don't think being in couples therapy means like, oh, our relationship is terrible. We're trying to solve this huge thing. Many of the healthiest couples that I know are in couples therapy. People who are listening to this podcast are people who are looking to optimize their gut, their hormones, their self, all of these things. So why not optimize your relationship in that way as well? Exactly. Because, you know, interpersonal relationships, it's all the foundation of it is communication. And that's what therapists do. They help you either if it's just one-on-one, build that communications, those skills with yourself or with your partner. 
100%. Okay. I feel like you're going to have some thoughts on this one and I don't have that many. So (laughs) we're looking for your expertise here. My hair is thinning and balding in the front from years of straightening thick side bangs in my youth. What do I do to help those patches grow back or look fuller? Would also love any advice on having luscious hair in general. Like what are the absolute top tips no one else is telling me? So one thing that I want to say first is that just in general, across the board for everyone, as we age, we're all going to experience some level of thinning. Because what happens with age after you are about 30 for women is something called miniaturization. And this is when your hair strands actually become like a little bit thinner and smaller and they don't grow as long. And part of that is due to hormones, less testosterone, less estrogen, and that's going to impact your hair. So what you do in terms of taking care of it, the lifestyle piece becomes even more important because you have that hormone aspect kind of playing against you with age. So I just across the board tell everyone you can really benefit from using a hair growth serum. Hair growth serums out that are on the market are phenomenal. And it's not like you're going to use it and suddenly you're going to have like twice as much hair and like this crazy outcome. But what it's going to do is that, yes, there are ingredients that are going to help to stimulate the hair regrowth. But for everyone out there, it helps to strengthen the hair bulb. And so what happens is when you're in the shower and you're washing your hair and you're stimulating your scalp, when you're brushing it, when you're heat styling, anything you do to stimulate it, if your hair bulbs are weak, you're going to see more hair fall. Okay. But if they're stronger, they're going to stay in place. And so you're going to have thicker feeling hair. That's the care for whatever your like your hair type is, like how much hair you have. Like if you're a person who's born with really fine, thin hair, you're not suddenly going to have coarse, thick hair, but you may have more of those thin, fine hairs that you have. Do you have a favorite hair growth serum? So I really like this one by this brand called Maya Chia. And I've loved their skincare for years. I first discovered them at Credo Beauty in like 2016. And they came out with a hair growth serum called Powerful. I like it has a green tea scent that's like very mild, but it uses an ashwagandha water base and it just reduces inflammation. It also has peptides in it that's going to stimulate the regrowth. It's one of my favorites. And I use that after having my second Naomi and around the fourth month postpartum, I started to notice like along my hairline that I was getting that receding hairline look at the temples, hair starting to fall out, which is very normal postpartum. And I just went into overdrive of everything that I could do, stimulating my scalp, doing massages. You know, I started to wash my hair less frequently. I used the hair growth serum. It was oiling before shampooing all this stuff. And then by the fifth month mark, just with a month later, it's so thick. I basically skipped postpartum hair loss just by using these lifestyle and products. Is there anything that you think we're all doing that's causing a lot of damage to our hair that we're sort of doing wrong in our quest for getting luscious hair? I mean, coloring hair is like the number one. Yes. It does so much damage to the strands and the outside cuticle. And what happens is, so you have a hair strand And on the outside, imagine these little shingles, right? Like a roof. And when they lay nice and flat, they hold the moisture in your strand and protect it. And your hair looks shiny and it can reflect light well. But then from coloring your hair, from heat styling it, you damage those little shingles on the outside. So they're not laying flat anymore. They're like kind of opened like this. And your hair is going to look rough. 
It's not going to look as shiny. It's not able to hold on to moisture because the moisture will get out from underneath those shingles and you're going to have dry, brittle feeling hair and dry hair that's brittle has a tendency to break more frequently. So your hair is not going to be able to grow nice and long. So I definitely recommend really avoid coloring if you can avoid heat styling. If we're going to do that, is it just about protecting it using those hair growth serums? Like I love being blonde. There was one day during the pandemic where my hairstylist sent me a toner because my hair was just in that horrible state where all of us had not had our hair done in forever. And it turned me from blonde to like a light brown shade. And I, Zach has pictures of me from this day. I'm bawling because I just felt like my whole life turned in this different direction when I went blonde. And it was, you know, I'm sure coincidental in so many ways. Like I left my job and my went on book tour and like all of these good things were happening in my life. But I'm like, my life started when I became blonde. I don't want to mess with that mojo. So what can I do to, if I'm not going to stop styling and coloring? I mean, I get it. I feel like identity is definitely wrapped up into our hair, especially anytime I go to my stylist and get my hair cut. And if she takes off a little too much and it's not long anymore. Like I go home and I cry because long hair has become my identity. (laughs) Well, and I have hair dysmorphia too. So I'll look back at pictures and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how long my hair was. But I always think in my head that my hair is short. Like right now I'm pretty sure I have super short hair and my husband's like, it's definitely long. (laughs) Oh my God, hair dysmorphia. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it's bad. So if you are committed to coloring your hair and heat styling and you don't want to give them up. I completely understand. I have a lot of people in my audience who tell me the same thing. Amy, what do I do? Which is actually why I colored my hair for the first time in a decade in January, because I wanted to be able to test out what to do if you have colored hair, not just from an ingredients perspective, but from, Hey, I've actually tried it firsthand on having colored hair. So definitely you want to use hair regrowth serum, but I think the key really is to try to avoid the frequency with which you color your hair and the frequency with which you heat style. I think that's the best thing. Doing all these different things that you can to preserve your hair color so that you only have to color your hair like once or twice a year or color your hair in a way that allows you to color it less frequent. Like you can let it just kind of grow out naturally. Like maybe you're doing highlights or something like that versus an all over color that requires every six weeks to do the roots. I do mine only twice a year and they do it so that it grows out looking kind of like Rudy, but in a cool way. And I think that that works nicely. That's good advice. I'll move on from hair in a second, but I know you've tried like all the fun hacks on TikTok for hair. I feel like I've seen you wash your hair upside down. I've seen the rice water. Have there been any hacks where you're like, oh, this is actually really effective and everybody should be doing this? A lot of the hacks are really great, but they just, they don't blanket and work across the board for everyone, which makes sense because we're all different and we have different needs like the rice water, right? That is really great for people who have high porosity hair. High porosity hair means, you know, the shingles are really open and it needs a lot of moisture and protein to bind moisture to the strands. So for people like that, rice water is amazing and it's going to make your hair really silky and smooth and hydrated and help to kind of cleanse the scalp. But for someone like myself that has low porosity hair, because my hair is relatively healthy and, and the shingles on the outside, the hair cuticle lays flat. I got what's called protein buildup, 
where there's too much protein and it makes the hair feel very stiff and brittle. So it didn't work out for me, but I've seen it work wonders for other people. There is the rosemary water hack for growing your hair out. And that makes sense because they have shown in some studies that rosemary extract, peppermint extract can help with hair growth or to stimulate it. How do I know if I have low porosity or high porosity hair? I feel like I read in Cosmo like 20 years ago, you could float it in water. Is that a real thing? Like you could pull out a hair strand and float it? Yes. So you put it in water, you pull out a hair strand, and if it floats on top, that means you have low porosity hair because the shingles are closed tightly. The hair cuticle lays flat against the strand, and so the water is not able to get inside of it. If it sinks to the bottom, it means it's high porosity hair. But there's also other ways you can do it. There's now services. I just got something in the mail from this brand where you can take a strand of hair and send it to them, and they'll tell you what hair porosity you have. And there's like a little test in there where you rub the strip along your scalp and it'll tell you how oily your scalp is. You even do a test for your water and it'll test how hard it is. And then it tells you based on all of this information, what kind of hair products you should be using. I forget the name of it. I'll send it to you. After. Yeah, send it to me and I'll put it in the show notes. I would say to the hard water point, my number one hair hack in the entire world is to get a shower filter. I got a shower filter when we moved to England and the water was so hard that my hair was chunky. And then I was like, this has changed my entire life. I should have this all the time. And we've had one ever since when I shower in a hotel or I shower in a friend's house where they don't have a water filter. I'm like, my hair looks so different. And I'm kind of like, why are we spending all this money on products? We should all just get a shower filter and then, you know, get the products and stuff too. But I feel like the products are almost not worth it until you get a shower filter. Oh my God. It makes such a difference. We have a filter for our whole house because I noticed such a difference. And like, when I think back on where I lived at different points in my life and how my skin and how my hair changed because of that, it's the water, it's the pollution. I grew up in Minnesota where you go outside and it's just nature and fresh air and the water is like, you know, comes from a well. (laughs) And then I moved to New York City. And no wonder, like instantly my hair and my skin freaked out because of the pollution and the water is so different. And I think being cognizant of your environment is so important. I remember when I first moved to New York, I was so hungover one day. It was like one of my first days there. And I was so hungover. And I walked to the tap to get a glass of water and I drank it and I like spit it out because it tasted so bad. And I didn't have the energy to go to a bodega to get a bottle of water, but I couldn't bring myself to drink this tap water. And I was, it was just like this very vivid memory of my early twenties and being like, this water is so bad that I can't even drink it from this state of being this hungover. So get a water filter for your drinking water, get a water filter for your shower water. It'll change your life. I love all of those memories of New York, like early 20s, made hungover. Like I have this one super vivid memory where I wake up, I'm in bed, I'm in my pajamas and I still have high heels on. I get out of bed, I take off my shoes and then I walk (laughs) into the bathroom and I did my skincare routine. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Wow. And that's when you knew you were like, I am a beauty influencer. I'm just waiting for that to happen. (laughs) I could like black out and yet still do my full routine. (laughs) Do you have any tips actually for making doing that routine? I will say I'm going to confess this now. Only about a year ago did I start actually washing my face every single night. And before that, I would do it most nights, but I could really talk myself out of it if I was really tired. And now I'm at the point where I feel 
gross. It's kind of like if you went to bed without brushing your teeth or something, I feel gross if I don't wash off the day on my face. But do you have any tips? I feel like routine is such an important part of beauty for making those routines stick. Oh my God, Liz. First, I need to get over this initial shock that you didn't wash your face every night. I also don't let me tell you about when I started using sunscreen regularly either. It's not a great story. I understand that one because I feel like we came from that era of baby oil and tanning beds, or at least that was my experience when I was younger. I will say that I love my products. I think like my tretinoin has changed my skin dramatically. Skin cycling has changed my skin dramatically. But the thing that has made the biggest difference is consistently using sunscreen every day because then you're not developing new spots or discoloration. Or I just feel like we view it as a protective thing, but I actually feel like in the now, it's made the biggest difference, if that makes sense. Yeah, it kind of stops the hands of time in a way. I mean, in a different way than tretinoin, but yeah, you're preventing that future damage from happening. It's become muscle memory for me. I think that's what it is. Like I go into just autopilot. I'm like, here it is. And But I love it so much. Like my nighttime routine, like that is my sacred time to unwind, to just self-care. There's something about it. I could give up Netflix. I could give up wine, but my nighttime routine, like even now, like after I put the kids to bed, I go into my bathroom and I'm in there for 45 minutes and it's just pure bliss. And that's my time. Don't block out now anymore because I got two kids. I got to be up at 530 in the morning. But I think that's what got established over the years, that muscle memory of doing it, where now it just every night I just do it. So so maybe it's about to the reframe of not this is something I have to do, but this is something that I get to do for myself, which sounds like you were able to do. One of my five love languages, and actually my poor husband, but I got even across the board all the different five love languages, so I have all of them. <laughs> so lucky for him. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yes, exactly. And, you know, bless him, he's put in the work. But so because one of them is a physical touch, I think there's something about that self-care of like, I take the time to like really massage my face. I even use a device and I massage like the sides of my neck and just get into that moment with myself. It's really nice. I forget which podcast guest said this too. I feel like I'm quoting all these podcast guests and I'm like, I don't know who said this, but somebody really smart did. But Just communal advice now. Communal (laughs) advice, which was that our brains can't fully tell the difference between other people touching us and ourselves touching us. So that act of gently touching yourself can be really soothing for your nervous system in the same way that getting a hug from a loved one can. And I love the idea of actually consciously taking care of yourself of being like, I'm touching myself. I'm soothing myself. I'm releasing my tension. I haven't done that. I'm still in like a whack it off, whack it on, you know, phase of my skincare. But there's something really beautiful about the intention behind that and of to a lot of the points we were discussing earlier, to telling yourself that you're worth taking care of in that way and that you're worth valuing in that way. Yeah. I think for me, it kind of goes back to, so I dropped out of college after my first year. I was in Minnesota and I just was going through that phase of I'm trying to find myself versus creating myself and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And of course, when I dropped out of school, my parents said, okay, we're going to cut you off. And I was like, oh, 
shit. <laughs> so then I got a job at a makeup counter at Shiseido. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. That's where I really developed this love for skincare and understanding like the ritual of it. And they taught us how to do shiatsu facial massages. And we would do that on people that would come to the counter and, you know, show them the skincare. And there's something so intimate about someone else, like letting you touch their face that there's like an intimacy there. And I always think about that when I'm doing my own like little shiatsu massage, like on my own face about just that self-care and like feeling that tension in the muscles and thinking about the day and like what caused that tension, you know, for that other person when I'm doing it, what caused that tension for me and how to release it. I love that. Okay. This is the last one that we have time for. I have learned a lot about living a healthy lifestyle over the last two years, but my fiance doesn't want to adopt the same practices. I am worried about him, but no, I can't control him. What do I do? I'm worried about his health and my future kids' habits. I identify so much with this listener because this is exactly what I went through with my husband. So just to give you guys a little background, when we first started dating, he only ate potatoes and carrots. That's it. Those were the only types of vegetables that he would eat. Corn, potatoes, and carrots, and maybe even not the carrots all the time. And fast forward to where we are now, every morning he makes himself a kale smoothie with blueberries. He goes to the grocery store and he always picks the organic produce. All I'm saying is persistence. If it's important to you, take the lead and help to show your partner why it's so important. And they're not going to get it at first. They're going to be resistant, but slowly over time, like you'll be able to open up their aperture and expose them to this healthy food and healthy way of living. And slowly they're going to partake in it and start to realize like, oh my God, this feels so good when I eat this way. They'll learn little tricks from you about how to cook or make easy things that are healthy. You just guide them along that path and it'll take time and patience, but eventually you'll be able to get them there. And so if it's important to you, just know that if you take the lead, slowly that person will go on that journey with you. It's doable. And it is like so important because you are like, oh, I've hitched my cart to this horse or whatever. And you're like, I want to be sitting on a bench with you in 50 years and be cute. It's kind of scary to have your life intertwined with somebody else's health outcomes. And of course you care a lot in that context. So I completely agree with everything you said. I would also add that there's so much societal messaging around being healthy, being like worse, that it's punishing yourself, that you're not getting to do the fun things, that you're having to give up all of the foods that you love. And I think making it feel as fun and enjoyable as possible and being like, look at this really delicious meal that we get to make and eat together instead of being like, here's your steamed vegetables, like eat these so you don't die. Like, let's make a beautiful stir fry together. Let's go grill some veggies. Let's make a really beautiful salad or your smoothies. Like I think smoothies are really, really wonderful, delicious beginner way to start including a ton of different vegetables in your life because it tastes good and you look forward to it. And then you start to reframe being healthy is not an act of deprivation or denial or punishment, is, but is something you get to do for yourself. And then I think you also touched on this, but I think tying immediacy to it is so critical. The idea of like, oh, if you eat some vegetables, 
then we can sit on a park bench together in 50 years is not very inspiring. But wow, I have so much energy today when I eat this way. I feel calmer. I have less anxiety. I can do more with my body. I think really appealing to look at how you feel when you do these healthy things right now, not in some sort of like undefinable, squishy future makes it so much more motivating and inspiring to actually do that stuff now. And even if they're really hesitant, as my husband was, like for the first five years of our relationship, he was like, absolutely not. There was a period of time where we, it was a tale of two dinners every night. He would eat his unhealthy meal and I would have my healthy quinoa salad. But slowly what ends up happening is if you just are consistent and you just show like, hey, this is how I want to eat. This is how I want to live. Like they'll get curious and he does want to try things. And even to this day still, like one of my favorite restaurants here in Los Angeles is Cafe Gratitude. It's a vegan restaurant. And I just always want to go eat there. And there were times like he'd be like, okay, well, we're going to stop at In-N-Out first for me. And then we'll go to Cafe Gratitude for you. But slowly over time, he was like, okay, maybe I'll try it. And now recently he's like, oh, actually I do like this one, you know, burger thing they have on the menu and he wants to order it now. And so just be persistent, just show them the options and you can lead the horse to water. You can't force them to drink it, but over time they'll get thirsty and maybe they'll try it. And, you know, then maybe they'll like it. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. If you listened to the NSFW sex Q&A episode back in November, and I know a lot of you did, it was one of our most popular episodes ever, then you might remember my amazing guest, Vanessa Marin. Vanessa is a licensed psychotherapist with 20 plus years of experience in the sex therapy field. She's devoted to demystifying, debunking, and de-shamifying the conversations that we have around sex. And if you didn't know, she actually has a podcast of her own called Pillow Talks, which she hosts with her husband, Xander. On Pillow Talks, they focus on taking the intimidation out of intimacy and help you have more fun in the bedroom. They talk about everything from mismatched sex drives to hygiene to attachment styles, and their tips are so actionable and easy to incorporate into your life. Vanessa and Xander give you step-by-step techniques and even script things out for you if you're nervous to talk to your partner about something. It is such fun listening. They're giving these really helpful, informative tips, and they also keep things super casual and funny and share the ups and downs of their own relationships so that you never feel alone. Some of their most popular episodes include When Your Partner Wants Sex But You Don't, How to Get Out of and Prevent Dry Spells, an episode all about increasing desire, and so many topics that are really relevant and important to be talking about. Just scroll through their episode list until you find a topic that's interesting to you because I have honestly never listened to a bad episode of their podcast. To listen, just search for Pillow Talks on your favorite podcast app and hit the follow button. Again, that's Pillow Talks wherever you get your podcasts. I know you are going to love this one. There's a lot of research on exposure in that way too. It's the same thing where like when you hear a song for the first time, you're kind of like, oh, like maybe I like it. But then you hear it over and over and over again. And you're like, oh, wait, I do love this song. And I do think the more you're just around something it's heartening almost to just be like, the more I'm exposing this person that I love to these things, whether it's a parent, a friend, or your partner, or your kids even, the more you're exposing them, the more likely over time they are to actually start to like it. And I think that having that hope and faith in that direction can feel really good. 
They say with kids that it takes like five or six times of trying something before they will like it and want to eat it. So yeah, do that with your partner too. <laughs> Just... I think that also you can expose in different ways, like something that I'll often do for Zach, which he might be hearing me record this and I might be giving away my secrets, but I'll put on like a podcast that I think has information in it that would be valuable for him to hear, but I'll just be listening to it in a place where he can happen to hear it. Osmosis. Yeah. Yeah. You're just around. And then he's like, oh, wait, that was interesting. What did they say about that? Or like, and then I'm like, oh, well, we could listen to this together if you want. And he's like, oh, yeah. Okay. So then we'll put it on next time we're in the car. We'll listen to it together. We'll talk about it. And I think there's a bunch of different ways you can expose the people you love to things that isn't just you saying, eat a carrot, eat some kale. Like, I think that's the method that's never really going to work. We have this rule in my household that is you don't have to eat it, but you have to try it. And it kind of relieves the pressure for my kids. And actually, this is a rule that I instituted even before I had kids with my husband. <laughs> I was like, you don't have to eat this healthy food that I'm preparing and making, but you just have to try it. Just take one bite and there's no pressure. And then he was like, okay, I'll take one bite. Oh, I don't like it. I don't want it. But then over time, after taking those little bites, he's like, actually, that's pretty good. Okay. I'm going to eat some of that. And the same thing happens with my kids too. And then just to try out one of my all-time favorite facts about that, which is that your oral microbiome literally shifts based on the foods that you eat. So the more that you take those bites and you eat healthy foods, you're actually shifting your oral microbiome to crave those foods. So every little step in that direction will make you want to take more steps in that direction. Yes. And I'm sure your taste buds too, which is all linked together. Yeah. All linked together. If you told 20-year-old me I would intentionally choose a salad on a menu, I would be like, you are absolutely insane. And now I, I love it. Like I'm looking for fresh produce in places because I'm excited to taste what that tastes like. Wait, we have to back up. So 20-year-old Liz did not eat salads? Like what was 20-year-old no. Liz like? No, 20-year-old Liz was smoking cigarettes, doing a lot of drugs, walking in sweatpants to get Ben and Jerry's high at like midnight. <laughs> like I had I think when I met my husband, we met in college, I don't think I had literally eaten a vegetable. Like I was like your husband except for without the potatoes and carrots. What was the tipping point? I need to know what happened (laughs) because there's a different person sitting in front of me. (laughs) There is. No, I have my cigarette under the table. I've been secretly smoking it. (laughs) Um, It's a different experience. So my husband actually was part of that journey for me. So he was born and raised in Berkeley. He grew up going to farmer's markets. He had Alice Waters, who's the founder of Chez Panisse and kind of like the founder of California cuisine farm to table movement. She started an edible garden at his elementary school. So he was gardening at elementary school. So he took me to my first farmer's market. He'd found a macrobiotic cookbook at a used cookbook store and was just cooking from it for fun. He wasn't like trying to do a diet. He's just like, oh, this is interesting. I've never heard of this. And so he prepared food for that for me on our second date and just kind of taught me that there were all these flavors and opportunities that I was missing out on. And then I think for me, the biggest tipping point was later on when I was agoraphobic and experiencing really extreme anxiety. And I started using food as a way to climb out of that hole as just part of my mental health toolkit. And I saw what a huge difference it made in my mental health. And because I had that need so strongly at that time, 
it was so motivating because I was like, I want to not have panic attacks every day. I want to be able to get up and get out of bed and live my best life. And so that's a lot of motivation to go in that direction. And then I just kept seeing like the benefits. And I was like, this is awesome. I, I love feeling this way. Why would I choose not to feel this way? Yeah, it's a good addiction to be addicted to the healthy foods. It's better than cigarettes. I feel like 20-year-old me would have been like best friends with 20-year-old you. <laughs> Good. I feel like you're like, she didn't wear sunscreen. She doesn't wash her face. She used to smoke oh cigarettes. Like, I don't want you to think I'm a lost cause. Oh my God. No, that was me in my 20s. Like we would have been like, hey, let's like hang out. So the good news is no matter where you are on your journey, there is hope. You can look at me and Amy (laughs) as examples (laughs) of that. Amazing. Well, Amy, can you tell everybody about where they can find you on the internet and what they can find when they find you there? Yes. So you guys can find me at Bondanavon on TikTok and Instagram, and it's spelled B-O-N-D-E-N-A-V-A-N-T. I also have a blog that I haven't updated in a long time. I'm on TikTok and I'm on Instagram and I'm on YouTube. And when you come to my little corner of the internet webs, you will find beauty, hair-focused content and just me trying to take you on the journey with me as I explore these avenues and what I learn and what I test and what I try and what it works and what doesn't. So I hope you'll come join me. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Amy. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. It was fun. And I got to know so much about you, Liz. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) I didn't scare you too much, I hope. (laughs) No. I hope you love this convo with Amy. I am definitely going to start doing that North Star exercise. I think it's just such a genius way to make sure that your life is moving in a direction versus, I don't know, just like randomly going all over the place. Also, I'm going to try to make my nighttime routine a self-care moment, but we will see how that actually goes. If you would like to have your questions answered on any future advice episodes of the Healthier Together podcast, send them over to ask at lizmoody.com. They are always totally anonymous. We will be back on the last Monday of every single month, so tune in for that. But we'll have our normal episodes every single Wednesday, and we have amazing ones coming up, including a highly requested episode about how to make friends as an adult and an Ask the Doctor all about balancing your blood sugar to transform your overall health. So make sure that you are subscribed so you do not miss out on anything. And come and join the Healthier Together Podcast Club Facebook group so we can all share and learn together. It's linked in the show notes. And if you're interested in signing up to be part of a Healthier Together Podcast Club in your city, there is a form for that on the Facebook group. And then I will put that in the show notes as well. Okay, I love you and I will see you on the next episode of the Healthier Together podcast. Okay, you know what stat blows my mind? People in the US take about 20,000 breaths per day and spend an average of 90%, 90% of their time indoors. And that indoor air can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air, according to the EPA. Indoor air pollutants can cause respiratory symptoms like sneezing, congestion, scratchy throat, and even more serious health problems like lung and heart disease. I talked about this with a world-famous doctor friend years ago, and I was like, it is awful. What do I do? And she said, you need a high-quality air purifier, and you need to keep one in any room that you spend a ton of time in, which is why I am so excited to introduce you to Air Doctor. 
Air Doctor goes above and beyond the HEPA standard, which requires that 99.97% of particles at 0.3 microns be captured by a filter. Air Doctor uses an ultra-HEPA filter that was independently tested and proven to remove at least 99.99% of particles as small as 0.003 microns. That is 100 times smaller than the HEPA standard. This includes allergens, pollen, pet dander. For any other pet parents who are allergic to their babies, this makes the biggest difference in my allergies with Bella. Highly recommend for that alone. This includes dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. Also, if you live somewhere that is coming up on potential fires this summer, please, please, please get an air doctor so you have it ready. Breathing in smoke is awful for your lungs. And as somebody who lives in California, it gives me such peace of mind that I have my air doctor ready to go. We have a few, but if you are starting with one, keep it in the bedroom. That way you're breathing great air for at least a third of your life and it'll help you get better sleep, which will have so many downstream positive effects. And as a little bonus extra, it has such a nice white noise sound. It actually helps me fall asleep and stay asleep. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you do not love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code LizMoody, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. And this part is exclusive to LizMoody podcast listeners. You will receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O dot com and use promo code Liz Moody.